Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. I'm Clark Coffey, and with me is Mr. Cullen McFader. Hello, hello. I'm going to do this like a, like a WWF announcer. I know. Oh, no, who is the... Let's get ready to the boxing? But that was boxing, right? That was, yes, I remember yeah. when I was a kid and I used to watch Mike Tyson boxing, that guy would come out and it was like, you just knew you were in for a two-minute <laughs> long fight, basically. Yeah. You'd get super excited. I remember I, my dad and I would make like nachos and popcorn and get, you know, get everything yeah. together and then Mike Tyson would knock whoever he was Well, my, my uh, in like 90 was seconds. Uh, the Canadian boxing champion, so there you go. Oh, that's amazing. Was, yeah. That's right. Cullen, it's just, I'm telling you, it's just, you've, you've got these, like, you've got this colorful, <laughs> colorful, rich, textured life and family. It's amazing. So, and, and good for that because you're actually going to be kind of the topic of this episode is episode 39 here. And, and it's going to be a, a different, uh, type of episode for mm-hmm. us. A little bit shorter uh, too. A little bit shorter, but, yeah. and we may end up doing a series of these, but we have a really unique and interesting opportunity. So Cullen is currently in pre-production on... A film that he's getting ready to shoot and we thought that this would be a great opportunity to in almost real time here discuss his process um, and experiences with this film so for anybody out there who's interested to kind of hear firsthand how films are made or somebody out there who's an aspiring filmmaker would like to maybe you know pick up some tips and tricks uh, on how to how to get things done on a low budget uh, but mm-hmm. at, why don't you kind of start things off, Cullen, by kind of setting the stage for what's the scope of your project? Is it a short? Is it a feature? What mm-hmm. genre are you looking at? Kind of give us a scope for what you're putting together and maybe tell us a little bit about the story. So we kind of have some, you know, at least a summary to kind of hold in our mind as far as yeah. what you're getting ready to get on film. And we'll go from there. Yeah. So um, the movie is called Daylight Again. Um, it's a feature. It's my first feature. Um, and the basic plot is that there's this, uh, woman named Maggie and she's kind of at like, you know, she's hit a dead end in life. Um, she's in trouble with the police. Um, like she's kind of run out all her relationships with her friends and her family has kind of disowned her. Um, and she's desperate for basically at this point, just even shelter. Um, and she has no money. And she winds up running into her old ex-boyfriend, Peter, who she basically used to run these, you know, circuits with. And and he was kind of the one that got her into this life of crime. Um, He's kind of put together now. He's, like, gone straight and and has, you know, a a beautiful house and stuff like that. And so she kind of figures, I'm going to take this, use this as my advantage and go up and, and live with him. He invites her up. And, but of course, not all is as it seems, and mm. Peter's kind of intentions aren't really as um, altruistic as he, ah. he first kind of, uh, you know, as a proposed first scene. to yeah. her, as a, or as a first scene. So um, that's kind of the basic plot. Um, okay. It's based off of, very, very loosely based off of a short film that a friend of mine and I did um, two years ago. So right at the beginning of 20. 19 i think it was um called hector um and that movie was again pretty much no comparison to this movie now but it was definitely the seed that kind mm-hmm. of sprouted into this movie to use a flowery metaphor um <laughs> oh nice nice so, good work there um so yeah it definitely uh is is you know scope wise um really small scale uh-huh. um primarily one location Okay, uh, so it's... so similar a little bit to Shallow Grave, the film yeah, that we just Grave, covered yeah. our last episode. And yeah. give us an idea. So what what roughly is the size of your cast and crew mm-hmm. on this project? So we've got two leads. Okay. Um, they are kind of the main, of course, 
main players. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are two secondary characters that have, um, you know, scenes that aren't huge. They're not major scenes, but they are kind of the two other characters that have some dialogue. Okay, so some s- couple supporting bit. actors. So supporting, okay. yeah. And then there are, um, I'd say six other actors that are are really just only momentary actors that come in and um just kind of say a few lines and things like that so there's about nine ten people total uh nine or ten and crew crew size crew size is about i'd say eight i think i've got eight okay Um, okay the exact number on me at the moment so this will be helpful for people to to maybe learn a little bit more about so tell Mm -hmm. me you know with those eight people you've got a constrained budget uh how many shoot days real quick are you looking at 11 yeah okay so So, i've scheduled 11 shoot days so you got to shoot a lot in a really short amount of time so tell me what eight positions did you fill you've got you you only have so many people so what positions did you fill and and share a little bit too about where you've you've kind of doubled or even tripled up because mm-hmm. obviously so, with so only my eight good people, friend yeah. um my good friend adam is kind of my right hand man okay he's basically the first ad first ac um sort of like script supervisor in a way so okay. he's going to be you know running slate um checking the shot list to make sure everything's done um Mm -hmm. and uh he'll also be writing a you know keeping track of like okay take three was good and um so he's kind of doing he's he's really going to be my essentially my my and just to clarify so you're directing obviously yes but but are you going to be operating yep i'll be operating yeah so you'll be directing operating and will you be basically acting as your own cinematographer then as well yeah so the reason for that and this is something that i wouldn't recommend for a lot of people but i i I'm super familiar with, you know, yeah, like you're I very primarily technical. work yeah. as a cinematographer and I, I like, that's kind of my professional, like where I, I right. the money that I make in film is primarily doing that. Yes. Um, and what I realized during pre-production was that um, to make everything really efficient, to keep everything both low budget and again, to make sure that everything's kind of streamlined, that I wasn't going to use a director. I was going to kind of take the um, you know, PTA approach to it, which is make it sort of a group effort. So I've got, you know, I, I think of things when I direct and even from the writing fit phase, um, I think of things super visually and like not only framing wise, but like I know from the moment that I write a page as a script, how that's how, going to be shot. And now did and you how write this? Lit. Did you, you wrote this or was Yeah, this... so I did. Yeah. So okay. it was, so again, it, beca- it came from this, um, this short film and was originally much more similar to that short film. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, comfortable saying that because now if you go back to the short film and go i know where this movie's going to go you probably don't because it is so different but okay. originally was very very it's similar just inspired from yeah it, or inspired yeah, so by, it was, yeah it was written you know the plot of the short film was a guy goes up to his cousin's cottage or cousin's house for like a weekend to stay there and uh his cousin's gone for the night so he's there alone with his roommate and then the roommate turns out to be a monster um that's the plot of the short film um, again, nothing related to that in this, this version. Um, but the first draft was very related to that. It was very much just an expanded version of that. And I had written it with the guy that I did the short film with and two others. Um, we were kind of the writing team. I was doing the screenwriting, but they were kind of the people that I would like bounce off of and we would have writing meetings and kind of come up with, okay, maybe this should go that way. And that was kind of primarily how the script got so altered from what it okay. was to to what it is now so you had um, input and feedback yeah and you kind of yeah. had a, some people who worked with you on the writing okay exactly yeah and so then um 
that went on for about a year. Uh, okay. I think we started writing, or at least I started like kind of planting the seeds of it and, and doing this, uh, the, the um, outline and kind of a treatment for it in March of last year. So right when COVID kind of hit, mm. um, I decided that was like a good time to do that. Um, so, and then it was written basically, I think the draft that we're going to camera with was finished in like late March of this year. So just over a year of writing, um, which I think is, is a pretty decent amount of time. Yeah. Um, and you know, there's also, I think, you know, just to kind of go into that just quickly for a second. Sure. Yeah. Um, and for anybody who perhaps is writing their own movie right now and is like at that phase where they're like, the script's done, but I don't feel comfortable. Well, that's a good, it's a really good question, right? Point, like how yeah. many edits did you go through and kind of so what there was that... six total drafts, okay. but within those drafts, I would say each of them had about four stages. revisions yeah. and stages. So probably close to 20 versions of the script that mm-hmm. that went through but but six major drafts were like okay. you know draft one to two to three to four to five to six i think were all especially super, super changed i think especially in people who are just starting out they don't have maybe as much experience they're in their beginning of their career i think you know i just want to kind of reiterate uh without hopefully being too preachy you know this is the stage where you can work all day long you can make as many you know you can put as much work into a script as you could possibly imagine there's no limit and it doesn't cost you anything but time this is the mm-hmm. only part exactly. that if you're the writer right if you're if this is your film this is the only part that doesn't cost you anything mm-hmm. so i there's no reason not to put everything you've got into making that script as polished as you can absolutely make it and mm-hmm. i mean it's at least for me and i think probably likely for most people your best work is not your first draft. It ain't even close. Oh, yeah, the yeah, first yeah. draft is where, but but I just, you know, I know, especially when I was much younger, people get so excited to shoot. They want to get on set. They want to get a camera. They want to get actors there. And it's, um, and, and the scripts are half-baked. They go into production with half-baked scripts. And it happens yeah. a lot. So it's just good to kind of hear that you've spent a year that you've gone through. I mean, if you take the revisions of each draft, you're over what 20, 30 drafts. Yeah, it's just important to kind of you know set expectations if you're writing. And your I'm own actually script. going to be putting um, all of the drafts online once the movie's done. Uh, oh, because excellent. I think that it's actually kind of a neat thing to be able to share with people to sort of go like, oh, look that's at fantastic. how different every draft. Like if someone so we'll wants do to that. read one to two to three to four to, we'll, like, we'll you know, put, one to six. We'll link to that through the yeah, podcast. Yeah, once it's so out. So yeah. everybody, you can kind of get, a, you can actually kind of look at how the story progresses. Thank you because for Because what's incredible is that if you shot, like I think that's one of the things that the actors that signed on later, um, I always kind of joke with them and I say, like, if you were to go back and read draft two and make that movie, mm. you could make this movie and that movie. And I don't think people would realize that. Right. They were, Wouldn't they even be the, the same, same thing. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I often won't even find. I mean, you know, if let's say I write an entire script, I may not even get to what I actually really want to get to until, you know, 80 pages in. And I take this little nugget almost that I yeah. wrote in this first script. And then, I, you know, it's kind of so right. It's be open as a writer to. Yeah to taking just what really works or what really sparks your your love for for what you're doing in that first draft and then make that your entire second draft and you may have to go through several iterations of that but so to get back to it so you're writing mm-hmm. so you've got you're, you yourself you're the writer you're the director you're going to operate and just to be just a little bit of technical so real quick tell me what you're going to be operating what are you going to be yeah so with? i've got the i i own all of my own gear i'm a big believer in that as well as I, mm-hmm. I'm not a really big fan of renting. So I basically worked, you know, a pizza delivery job and a bartending <laughs> job and I teach film. And so I was just, you know, a lot of that is just 
money set aside to right. buy, buy this stuff. Um, not cheap, but I think to me, I would much rather have owned that equipment and have been able to call it my own and be able to like take a camera out whenever well, and, I want and go and do something as opposed and shoot to every relying day. on a rental. and Exactly. Right. And so I've got no pressure on me to finish something faster because you know, the rental's running out or something. So it's an Ursa G2, Blackmagic Ursa Mini Pro G2 is what I'm, what the camera I'm operating on um, with a Pictor uh, Cinema Zoom. Oh, and what you've got new zoom lenses. You've got the Uh, wide, what is it? Yeah, the 20 to 55. And I've got that one too. That's a great lens, by the way. It's Um, a really great lens. Yeah, and I'm a big believer in zoom lenses. I think that a lot of people kind of scoff at them and it's like, no, primes only. But I I (laughs) love zooms because I think that I think that, you know, people, when they get all technical about lenses, they're like, oh, the bokeh is nice. But it's like, that doesn't matter to me. You know, I don't, I don't Not really for care this about level. the creaminess of a bokeh. I right. care about, at I don't this... have to switch lenses if I'm going from a 20 to a 50. Absolutely. Um, and at this level, that's important, right? Yeah. Your, your yeah. ability to reframe, your ability to, to move fast. It's when you've got 11 days to shoot and you're shooting a feature film, I'm going to guess you're what, around 190 to 120 pages-ish, right? Yeah, about, no, I think 90, about 90. I think the last draft was some, yeah. Okay, so you've got 90 pages of shoot in 11 days. I mean, to go back and forth and back and forth to lens to lens to lens, uh, you're going to save a ton of time. So, yeah. okay, yeah. so you're shooting with the, the 20 to 55. You've got the, the Blackmagic Ursa G2, um, you, you and you've got your own. Tell me what you're going to do with lighting. Uh, are you mm-hmm. shooting exteriors, interiors? I think you said it was mostly interiors. Give mostly us an idea the interiors of, in the house. And you've, um, you've, yeah. you've scouted a location. You picked yep. this house, as I understand it, specifically because you knew it would have good lighting. It's a beautiful house. It okay. is. When I got to this, I actually accidentally scouted it. I, I went oh. there to stay there for my birthday last year um, for like, a, I think, five days with some friends. And I remember as soon, and I was already in process of writing this movie at that point. Mm-hmm. And I remember like getting there and being like, I have to shoot this movie here because it's just, I have never seen a house that both has so much character inside. Right. And the way that the light just you know the 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 natural light and like it's almost of course I Which will be important. lighting but 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 because... you can shoot a movie without any extra lighting that movie would still I think look beautiful. Okay, um, and so let's talk about your additional lighting. So obviously yeah. it's important. You're I, I I know you've got some of your own lighting, but it, it's limited to some extent. I mm-hmm. you know you're mm-hmm. on a small budget, so it's you've picked a location where you know the lighting is going to be great. But then how are, how will you be augmenting that? Tell us a little bit about that. So a big thing for me is is kind of like I. I of course, you know, any anybody who lights will tell you that accentuation is the, the key to, to lighting, which is just t- looking at the room naturally and then going, okay, I want to play up that part. So like that window, I will put a light over there to, to bring up that light and to mm-hmm. kind of, you know, highlight it a little bit more. Um, but I also sort of land, you know, I think a lot of movies these days, especially are shot with, with like realism in mind. Mm-hmm. And I find that to be a little bit boring. So what I usually do, just kind of the way I light, is like I'll light realistically. I'll get a room naturally lit the way I want it. And so there's again, if there's like a big window, that's our that's our kind of prime light, the primary source. I'll light around that, and then I start going in. I start cutting things, and I start you know accenting things with lights that don't really make sense. That that realistically don't make sense. I mean, in terms of right. the actual geography of the, right. the, the setup. Um, and so I'll take a look at things like that and. Again, just highlight things. Like I, I, I described this before, but I, I, I'll use it again just for um, you know clarification. I kind of land between like a realist and an expressionist in terms mm-hmm. of the way I light. Where it's, I do like basing things off of reality. I like using real 
windows and stuff to to you know right impose your, the like, lighting on the situation but yeah and yeah and the motivation By reality. um but at the same time i do you know i would i never shy away from like playing up the theatrical of the lighting or, or you know really dramatizing light and using light to continue to tell that story sure um in an even more meaningful way than perhaps if it was just realistically lit and just uh, in a practical sense what what kit are you going to be yeah is- so i've got um you know again very cheap lights but yeah uh, i've got some newer newer uh yeah how do you pronounce that name uh light <laughs> panels i've got we all uh, ever ever just Every, yeah, everyone every, knows <laughs> every no everybody who's on a low budget knows them yeah, yeah i don't know how yeah. they're pronounced either yeah <laughs> um so i've got yeah two of their light panels one is like a full rgb um, uh-huh. and then one is just a bicolor so leds like right they're LEDs. Yeah, led light yep. panels um then i've got a larger godox sl60 which is kind of like it's a daylight only light but mm-hmm. um you can of course throw gels over it and stuff sure uh, but that light is really going to be used for like again kind of lighting the entire space and um not necessarily singling out certain elements okay so we'll just yeah, take sure. a quick pause, pause here that just for a second? second yeah i'll clap so we can see that in the, the thing there we go We'll just we'll just do what we can. The uh, yeah, the I'll, house... I'll go back to that Godox. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And, so uh... and then if they get loud, what we'll do is we'll just kind of we'll like kind of stop here. We can add more to it at another time. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. just see what we can do. I apologize. No, no, okay. no worries. OK. Yeah. Um, so. <clears throat> so I've also got a uh, Godox SL60, which is like a larger daylight rated light. It's not you can't actually vary the, the color on it. But of course, you can tint it or uh you know throw gels and stuff yeah. and throw gels on and um so that one is very very bright um and i each of these lights is kind of double purpose so that light during the day i'm gonna have a huge softbox on it and it's almost gonna be a close-up light so it'll okay. be very that softbox will be very very close to the actor's faces oh. and will kind of be this really it provides this really beautiful soft um okay. you know sunlight looking light um and then at night i'm gonna throw a fresnel on that light and it will be kind of the um the space light so it'll be what i i light the entire if like there's a room with no lights Give you on a, a base level of exposure yeah. before you and start then, accenting yeah and then i can put in those little led light panels i've also got a um aperture mini like little oh LED those are great panel, yeah those are fantastic which are fantastic you can just stick those anywhere and oh, i love those clip yeah. for those so i can like put them on a bookshelf or whatever yep um i'm trying to think if i have any other really major li- i think that's pretty much it for lighting okay uh, i've got Do like you- a of course do you have like a, uh, I mean, it, you kind of described your, your philosophy for lighting. I'm curious, mm-hmm. do you have like an overall kind of, um, uh, do you have any inspirations? Do you have anything you're kind of shooting for? Is there anything that, that you could kind of point to, to just mm-hmm. say, you know, I, I'm looking to light like X, Y, Z or. Yeah. Or, I, um, I, uh, as we've talked about in, when we did our Butch Cassidy episode, my favorite cinematographer is Connie Hall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like the way that Connie Hall 
bent light, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So he, what he okay. would do was he would use one powerful light and then just bounce it all over the room. And it would create this really engaging, like, again, it felt natural because it all sort of felt like it was coming from one source and sort of like one place. But at the same time, it was a great way to be able to, you know, highlight or point out certain things in a shot um, with the light without having to set up a thousand different lights. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I thought that that, you know, was a brilliant way of working in in his separation of foreground to background and Mm -hmm. almost lighting like it was black and white still. Yeah. um, I think is really, you know, a great way to, a great philosophy, Um, more contemporary. I'm a big fan of Steve Yedlin. Okay. um, Both in his, like the way that he does his color processes and things like that in terms of his post-production pipeline, but also the way that he, you know, again, I, I, the way that I got that idea again for putting the softbox super close, like a foot from an actor's face, like this right. really which, huge which softbox, is extremely um, close, by the way. Yeah, just, uh, <laughs> yeah, was was him. Like his, if you look at the, a lot of the BTS of, um, you know, he most recently did Knives Out. Um, you look at the BTS of that, and it's like these huge, huge sheets of of light that are just really close to an actor's face, and it just provides this really beautiful soft mm. um, kind of fall off and this wrap around. Yeah. Um, so I would say that those two are primarily um, really what I'm going for okay. uh, lighting wise. And then visually, um, like just in terms of the general visual language, you know, I'm I'm a huge Hitchcock fan. I've kind of made no secret of that. Right. Um, and Hitchcock really was a late addition to this movie, weirdly enough. Um, the movie originally when it was being written was kind of, you know, leaning towards this Texas chainsaw um, oh. kind of tremors almost tone of like this comedy horror okay type thing and then i really when i got to the sixth draft um realized that i didn't like any of that and i pulled all of the comedy out of it i pulled all of the heightened craziness out of it and grounded it okay and turned it into this like hitchcock drama thriller. so it's a drama thriller now yes yeah, so now it's much to... more of a yeah okay. a, a grounded hitchcock kind of style of thing um, Paul Thomas Anderson again, you know, Phantom Thread is a movie that I actually have specifically oh, been so looking at and yeah. kind of going like, that's a really brilliant way to shoot a scene like that. And, you know, and, and perhaps, you know, this is actually a good segue to get into the rehearsal process because this is, you know, everything's related, but, um, to just kind of, I guess, preface that I, I wrote a shot list long ago when I'd written the script screenplay, okay. I wrote a shot list basically alongside of it. Um, and I've never really had the chance to rehearse before. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been something that I've always kind of missed out on both because yeah, and no budget is difficult to get people in. Right. To be there well, for more than they need to be. And reality um, is on films, you often don't. You often, exactly. You don't have that time. Yeah. Um, and, but I have a viewfinder, a director's viewfinder and Alan Gordon, Mark VB, which mm-hmm. is, come, you know, I, I honestly, when I bought it, wasn't sure if I'd get much use out of it and I am so thankful I did because what I did with the rehearsals over the past weekend, and um, we spent two days just rehearsing full days, um, was that while the actors, so we would do like a read through of the scene and then we would, I would kind of go through the blocking with them and sort of say like, here's where the camera will be. Here's kind of how it's going to be shot. And I was actually able to sit down and like lie down on the floor and get angles up at the actors with my viewfinder. Right. And got to a point where there were scenes that had 13 shots and I got them down to like five. Oh, or okay. you know, moments that even like sh- scenes that had like six shots and got them down to a single shot and realized hey, I can actually now, play I'm this curious, whole scene out in a master. Help us understand. It, it apologize if it kind of feels like we're jumping around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I will get back to the question of who the remainder of your crew are, but we'll keep following oh, this. Yes, yeah. Well, it's okay. Yeah, we'll keep following this thread for a bit. So, 
can you help us understand what was it about when you were writing your your shot list and you had you know 13 or 8 or whatever it was you know setups or shots per scene and then when you went with your viewfinder to the rehearsal and you got that down to one or three, mm-hmm. what, I think, why do you think that was? What was going so on a, there? A big part of it is coverage, right? Like you you sit down when you're writing a shot list and you're like, oh, I want to make sure that that'll cut with that. Uh-huh. And so you're visualizing it in your head and you go like, well, I might need a shot in between there to just kind of transition those two shots to each other because I think that that cut might be too jarring. The angle might be too extreme in terms of the difference of angles. Um, or like, just like it might go, you know, is cutting from a cl- extreme close up to a wide, is that going to be too weird? Will that gel together? Mm-hmm. But what, again, what I was able to do with this viewfinder was do those cuts in real time. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course a viewfinder doesn't record, but I was able to frame the shot while the actors were rehearsing the scene and go, okay, that's, that's shot one. And then pull out and go, this is shot two. Those actually work really well together. Or in some circumstances, find a completely new shot. Find it like there was one scene in the in about midway through the movie where a character runs back into the kitchen after something happens, and it's kind of this intense moment where she's like out of breath. She's just had this like big moment in the movie, and uh, and our second character comes in and is kind of like trying to console her and like like what's going on? Explain this to me. Um, and so initially it was like, I think four or five shots of like, you know, there's a shot of her entering, then there's a like medium of the other character coming in and then it's just kind of a shot reverse shot. And I realized, no, I can actually shoot the entire thing mm-hmm. from way back in the kitchen and changed up the blocking entirely. So now the character comes in and it's like, she goes across the screen and then goes back over to the other character. The other character almost comes towards camera and they do this like dosy doe. Right. And so, so it sounds all, like you've moved a little bit them. from, you know, kind of a focus on, you know, from an editing editing perspective, you're kind of focused on you know keeping the spatial geography clean mm-hmm. and trying to make sure that you've got you know that you're focused on that. To it looks like okay, you're not losing that, but now you're able to move into more of like a you know a thematic understanding or a composition yeah. of shots and kind of oh you know yeah. I don't need 13 different shots to for this conversation. I can actually be a little more fluid and and. Uh, well, I think that's going to make a huge impact on the quality of your film, you know. Yeah, sure. I think it, and I, it really was like, there's nothing better than that feeling of excitement of like, after we had done that specific scene that I was just referencing, and we'd gotten it blocked out, and we rehearsed it, I think, like five different times. And I was like, that just elevated that scene so much, like that the mm-hmm. scene works so much better and, and just feels so much better. Or, you know, another big thing about rehearsals is we were able to sit down and sort of go like, that ending I don't really like the ending of that. So scene. that was going to so be my next just, question. Yeah, why don't Did your writing out? change? Did yeah, you, like, yeah. Okay. Nothing major, like nothing I would say overarching change. Okay. But there was definitely moments where it was like these last four lines in, this, in the scene, let's just cut all those and let's say that with a look. Yes. Like, let's just have this this moment end. With I like love to new, hear that. <laughs> yeah, like like the person walking away and just like this this silence. Like I think that that can be really, really powerful. And that happened with more than one scene. Um you know, there's like a, the movie opens on arguably perhaps like a really emotional moment. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get into spoilers, but uh, like it's a very emotionally like rich scene. Mm-hmm. And um, we were sitting there and I was, you know, initially the, the moment ends with the two of them kind of watching each, like one of the characters watching the other one go out the door. And I was like, wait a minute, that that will hit so much harder if you don't even watch her. 
Like if you just st- like she leaves and you don't mm-hmm. even you don't even bother to go and, and watch her leave. So a lot of things like that that came out of this rehearsal that you know kind of has put me firmly in the camp of whenever I have the chance to do rehearsals now, yeah. I am absolutely taking that. So I was your... never anti rehearsal, but I, I right. Just, yeah. But this really reinforced it. So it sounds like I yeah. mean you've got you've got your 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 blocking. You've got some writing changes. You've got you know setup changes. What about the actors? How did you find? Did you find uh, what was what do you feel like their experience was? So, um, so do you mean specifically for the rehearsals? Correct, correct. Yes. Um, so they again, um, you know, I I know both of these actors relatively well. Um, mm-hmm. One of them, the, the lead actress, Rio, much more. You know, we went to high school together, and she's like a really brilliant actress, and I. I you know, pretty much wrote this role for her. Okay. Um, and I think that that was really great. And Devin, who plays um, the second character, Peter, um, I think having that familiarity with them really helped. But also just to be able to, I think the thing that really helps is doing that initial read through, kind of reading through the scene together and going through like, okay, this is where, again, this is where the camera's going to be. This is kind of how the blocking went in my head letting them run through that on their own a bunch so that they can kind of explore those characters while I'm almost just sort of like doing shots by myself as they run through it. Mm-hmm. And then doing one final kind of run through, one or two final run throughs where we're actually like, I give notes. I'm okay. like, okay, this shot actually works really well. So let's change this thing up. And then they're able to, you know, again, the advantage of being there in person and so much better than doing it over Zoom or something naturally mm. um, is that, that when I was changing lines, I was able to say like, what do you think you would say there? Like, right. like how are you playing that? Did you work you on performance much? Did you, it was performance. Yeah. A part yeah. Of I this, mean, there was or... a lot of, there was like, if you look at the screenplay that like my actual copy of the screenplay, there's a ton of notes about just like, um, you know, let's try for, you know, again, for example, there was a, there was one scene in the movie where one, one of the third characters comes in and initially, even in the way that it was written, he was played, like he was playing it very interested in the conversation. Like he was engaged in the conversation and wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. And there was just something that wasn't clicking about it. And it wasn't any fault of the actor, but it was more so just like the way it was written. I was like, I don't really think that that should be it. Like, why don't we try it so that you are completely disinterested? Like, why don't we play this scene as though you want you, you like, there's nothing more that you want than to mm-hmm. get out of this situation and just to leave. Right. And we played it like that and suddenly it clicked and suddenly it was so much more like fluid. And there was a lot more, you know, even though I say that I took a lot of the comedy out of it, there's still like tidbits of comedy. And, right. you know, I'm very much, again, a big fan of Bong Joon-ho as well, who can have like really dramatic scenes, but still like there's these little comedic, comedic moments in them. Sure. Um, so I very much like that kind of style of filmmaking, that tone. Um, so being able to play with that just performance-wise. and Are there any drop moments. kicks? Yes, yes. That's there actually are? the whole movie. You yeah, have drop kicks in drop your kick. film? <laughs> Can you imagine? That well, um, You know what? I'm sold. I'm sold. Yeah. Can, is it too late to invest? <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So you so rehearsal you worked on, it sounds like you refined a lot of things in the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. So let's move back then to, to kind yeah, of... the crew. The crew. So, yeah. so who else then do you have on set? You've got your right-hand man... And refresh my memory, it, it basically like an AD plus what else? The AD, AC, um, you know, okay. again, he's someone that me and, me and him have known each other for ages and we've worked okay. together on a lot of things. So he is also, if there was somebody that was going to, be, like if I had to credit somebody as a cinematographer that wasn't me, he would be the one. Like very okay. much, but very much a fluid relationship where it's like he can okay. say like, you know, I think this shot might look really cool if we do this. So He's kind of, again, like the assistant director in the most broad sense of the term, where he gotcha. is just assistant, assisting me and making sure that like 
things run smoothly and um, really, really valuable role. Okay. Um, then I've got basically my key grip, who's Nigel. Um, Nigel is very Such familiar with name. like... I don't yeah, know why great, I love that wonderful name. name. It's just great. Um, but he is um, basically focusing... He's got a lot of theater background. So like, you know, lighting, huge lighting trees for theater situations. And so he's going to be the one that is primarily in charge of like running wires, setting up those lights, sandbagging. Um, you know, while I'm working with the actors, if we're getting a different setup, like, you know, again, I've known him for so long. And I think that's one thing that you'll notice is very much a through line with all the cast and crew is that I, I'm very good friends with all of them. I know them super well. I know how they work. And so that'll you know, be I don't so have helpful. anyone on set who is like, I'm just like, a, who's, who's kind of a mixed bag or who I don't know very well. Yeah. Um, so that's really helpful to just be able to say to Nigel, like, okay, here, this next setup is this. And I know for a fact that he'll know exactly what to do. Go and set that up. I can sit there, work with the actors, you know, frame up the shot while he's doing the lighting um and then i've got our sound guy evan who's um again i've known evan since we were in kindergarten Um, we've made like we always made when we were kids like our first movies together um and he is like a really great location sound what equipment will he be using i just so he's gonna be using yeah the f6 which okay um, which i've got as well the zoom f6 yes um which will be you know i'm sure there'll be more than one situation where that 32-bit float will save our asses yeah for Um, sure and he'll all he'll just you know we'll have two labs on each actor, um, or sorry, two labs on the actors, not two labs on each. On each, but, right? Um, One on each, yes. Uh, and then a boom. So very okay. simple sound setup. There will be you know really three sources for all the scenes. Um, so should be pretty good because it is backup. worth it, it is worth I, I always feel like it's good to take a moment to kind of uh, reiterate this just for people kind of starting out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's easy sometimes to overlook the importance of sound. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah. Because we are so focused on the visual as filmmakers. It's, you know, usually that's kind of how we orientate ourselves to the world. It's, you know, we're visual kind of thinkers. And but, you know, yeah. it, sound quality is I, I can't tell you how many projects I've been involved with. It. You know, I've had issues on my own in the very beginning. And then I was like at different various positions on other people's projects and had same challenges where you'll get you'll just work your butt off and you'll get home and the sound will just be subpar and will ruin mm-hmm. it. And the, your, your error, mar- the margin for error in sound is really, really small. S- sound is much more objective than visuals are. And, and it's, and people won't tolerate bad yeah, sound. If exactly. you've got, if you've got bad sound, then you're just going to lose your audience. People can tolerate some kind of, you know, issues with visuals much, much, much more readily than they can mm-hmm. with audio. So yeah. definitely 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 don't skimp on audio uh and it's it's just you can't do that yourself you've got to no, have at no, least God, one no. person and hopefully a couple but good okay so you've got your sound guy yeah uh, all right and then the rest of the people that are working on it are more so just like you know not necessarily production assistants general purpose like, like general purpose yeah mm-hmm. like so julia who's actually adam's girlfriend who uh, is kind of my again my right hand man there um, she's going to be basically drafting up like the Excel documents of like, this shot is good. Like out, what, what okay. we shot today. Um, and then I've got people there that are really just, you know, I've got a BTS photographer, Laura and videographer. So she's going to be able to capture a lot of the behind the scenes stuff, which to me was really important because I want to be able to use this as almost a teaching as well. Like to, to sure. kind of go through, you know, perhaps it'll all go horribly, but at mm. least I'll get that on camera. Hey, and, um. <laughs> and you know what? It, it would be a good learning experience yeah. regardless. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think again, the, the one thing that I've learned in prepping this, and I've got the production Bible, like right over there. Um, and it's, you know, thick, thick, thick. Yeah. Um, is that like, I, you hear horror stories about people's first features all the time. And the reason that I 
am not very stressed about it. And, you know, I'm very cautious of things and I'm preparing for backups and backups and backups of, you know, fail safes and fail safes. But the reason that I'm not like up in cold sweats at night about it um, is because A, I've done, you know, what I was talking to Rio about, who's been in some of my short films before, is I was like, a lot of those short films that we made are, were probably more difficult shoots than this will be mm. because this is so planned and prepared. Right. And because we've got crew there, whereas beforehand it would have just been like me and two other people just trying to like throw together some lights in a, you know, a car, drive out somewhere late at night and get a shot. Yeah. Um, now it's, it's like we own the locations that we're going to for, for more than enough time that we need them. We, you know, there's no time constraints on us. Um, and the other thing, again, is that, like, I've prepared it all to hell. I've got two shot lists. I've got the one master shot list, and then I've got a day-to-day shot list of the order of the shots we'll be shooting, and I can use those to kind of cross-reference each other. So it's, like, making sure that every shot is gotten. Um, that was one thing that I always, whenever I teach a film class, I always, like, really, really um, kind of harp on shot lists as being, like, one of the best tools for low-budget filmmaking because mm-hmm. there's nothing worse than shooting a scene, getting home in the edit, and being, like, that makes no sense. You've got because, no place to right? because there's no way, there's nowhere to cut that. You know that, yeah. that cut does not work. And so building a shot list and knowing that you have everything, and you know occasionally a little bit of extra, um, is just such a stress relief. It's so great to have that. And I've got, you know, the other thing is that like because I've kind of worn all the producer hats on this, I've got an executive producer that's working with me. But a lot of the work in terms of like costuming and locations and things like that, I've done myself. Yeah. Um, I think that this Well, that was be, what I was um, going to ask yeah. just real quick. So as far as yeah. like production design, uh, costuming, hair and makeup, do you have people that are going to help with that? Or So the, the moments, so I've got one makeup artist coming in for, for a day mm-hmm. um, for like the, there's like a kind of more effects heavy sequence. Okay. Um, and she's going to be there for that. Um, other than and, that, you'll have your leads do their own hair. And yeah. Makeup, so other basically. than that, it'll just be okay. very, just basic. You know, there's, yeah. there's very little that'll have to be done. And then um, wardrobe, just kind of basic wash. wardrobe was, I bought clothes? all the clothes. You yeah, bought, I actually, okay. so what we, we talked about, you know, what they should wear and stuff like that. So you worked and, with the actors and you, yeah, in and conjunction, bought. you kind of came together to the wardrobe. Okay. And then and another it, big part of that though, too, is is ease of wardrobe like everything for me when i'm doing things like that is about efficiency so okay. there's a scene there's two days that take place where there's like two scenes that kind of take place in the same location outdoors um mm-hmm. in a different location that we're going to be shooting and so i was like okay um those two days costumes are going to be very similar like it'll just be like a cardigan on one day and then no cardigan on the next day so that mm-hmm. way when we're on that location you don't have to go off and change you just pull off that cardigan and that's your next day's costume. Okay. And so it's like things like that to just keep things really efficient, to keep things really like easy and yeah. um, to make sure that, and so then even things like there's like a, you know, very minor blood effects. And so I've got like four pairs of the that, that day's costume so that if the blood effects go wrong, there take those go. clothes off, throw You've on got the another take. exact yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, and those are important things to note because sometimes it's yeah. easy, you know, it's when, when you're on such a small budget and you're on such a, a tight time frame, you know, you it's it's unlikely that you're going to have a singular position that's going to be wardrobe or costume yeah. designer, yeah. especially, you know, because you're going to be getting off the rack stuff or you might even be having your actors bring in wardrobe Provider, of their own yeah. uh, if it's not wardrobe that's going to be damaged in the filming, like your effects yeah. uh, shot. Uh, what about production design? I know that you went and you scouted the location and your primary location is this house. And so I'm assuming that most of your production design is going to be included in the mm-hmm. house that you've the, rented. Again, the house is so beautiful. But was there <laughs> I, can't, any, I can't even describe yeah. it. Was but, there anything um, else that you, that you did? I assume then you probably did 
whatever production design exists, you did that, it sounds like. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's a very light, um, you know, again, mostly just like moving furniture around to make sure that things work. And, and so not um, a lot of props you didn't have to have. No. Yeah. There is. There are extra. a few like props wise. There's there's a few things that I bought um, okay. that will be, you know, used. And of course, getting like multiples of those and different versions of them for different moments. Um, you know, it's kind of like a little mini Warner Brothers like studio tour um, where they show you the different baseball bats. But um, right. But, you know, things like that where it's just it, again to keep everything simple and to, to make sure that like the less things that can go wrong the less you yeah. know things that can like be forgotten or yep. um you know screwed up or may not work the better so yeah i'm yeah. basically primarily just keeping things as simple as possible right. and, yeah well that's smart i mean that's because mm -hmm. you don't have a lot of room for error and you know on your first feature the idea is to to just get away with the film and, and mm -hmm. you go from there. If you don't exactly. get away with the exactly. film, then, you know, you've got nothing, regardless of how good it was. So, yeah. Well, good on you. I So so you're done with your rehearsal process. Are you now, yeah. are you pretty much done with pre-production? Are you getting ready? Yeah, to we're shooting on, uh, I think it's four four days from now is our first shoot. Excellent. Okay. Uh, four so, or five days, yeah. So will I, it'll be fun after, uh, we'll, we'll revisit after you've, you've been in production for a little bit, if you can sneak away and... Yeah, and, of course. Yeah, and then yeah. we'll we'll kind of uh, we'll follow you through production, and mm -hmm. I'll be interested to hear about how you feel like you know your blocking and your your uh, the rehearsal process with the viewfinder and the shots that you set up, um, the work with your actors. I'll be really excited to hear how all that's going. Yeah, and, how that plays uh, out. Yeah, and then I'm ass I'm assuming you tell me, but I'm assuming you're probably editing and color correcting. Is that correct? Yeah, so I'm and again the color process is something that I've been working on for like years. Yeah, you've that been I'm just and we'll, using that. We'll definitely um, go into a lot of that because yeah, I think yeah. you've got some really great information to share. I mean, you, um, you really are uh, are educated in that, and you'll be doing your editing. And what about your like a uh, sound design? So sound mix, I actually my, mix. I'm very lucky to know my cousin who is a like really accomplished sound designer. Did oh, the okay. Witch, the Robert Eggers movie, and things like that. And he oh wow, is, that's he's amazing. not going to be doing it himself, but he's going to be getting. Um, another industry professional that he knows. He primarily does scoring now, so he's kind of okay. out of the, the sound mixing game, but he's going to get me somebody. Um, and then score, as in the the, the music. Um, mm -hmm. It's a good friend of mine, Catherine Petkovsky, who's done two other short films of mine. Okay. Um, and we've always, like, really gelled really well together. And, and, like, she's one of those people that will, you know, I'll, I'll just have to kind of show her the visuals, and she'll come up with a song, send it to me, and I'll be like, that is exactly what I want. Oh, fantastic. Um, so she's, you know, incredibly talented and... Um, Excellent. You know, again, one of those people that again, you just kind of have like one word and it works out really well. Well, it so, sounds yeah. it sounds yeah, like you've I'm got a, a lot of bases covered. Uh, it's I mean, it's you you know everybody you're working with. You've worked with them for a long time. Uh, that's going to be fantastic. Mm -hmm. Do you have a do you have a, a goal, a time frame for when you'd like to have the final final edit, final cut done, ready to rock? Yeah. So we are. I mean, so it's eleven days, as I said, eleven shoot days, um, and it goes from. I think July 4th is really our first official shoot day to mm -hmm. August 7th. And okay. then um, I'm planning on doing the, the post throughout the entire fall. We're probably going to do some like post-production crowdfunding. Um, and then I'm hoping that the final cut will be done around December or at least a, a final cut that I can show at a premiere. Okay. And perhaps get feedback from there. 
make well, final we'll, changes that then get sent off to festivals. So well, we can follow through that because that'll be yeah. another. You know, it's not just when you when you get the film finished. That's where you know you now you're beginning an entirely new part of this process that often yes. can be much harder and take even longer. The hellish the, marketing process, which is the <laughs> right trying to find distribution and trying to you know have your film find an audience. So excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, that fantastic. I really appreciate you taking the time to. To share your experience now, I'll look forward to following you as you go through your journey on your very first feature film. That's mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. You, you only get one first. Yeah, exactly. Excellent. So it's good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you've got a really good shot at it being excellent. So, all right, Cullen. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this will wrap up our special edition. This is our first special episode. Uh, it's mm-hmm. exciting. So uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again uh, after you've been in production for a bit. Until next totally. time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Hope this has been uh, entertaining and maybe even a little bit informative. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Bye-bye.